Welcome to The Behaviorists with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. Our intention for The Behavior Behaviorist podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift toward joy and meaningful achievement. I'm your host, Kimberly Pfeiffer. Today, we're turning our focus to the Enneagram, and more specifically, Type 7s. We're grateful to have with us today Anna Kennedy, who is the Executive Director of the Lancaster Osteopathic Health Foundation, it's a mouthful, and sculptor and artist Jonathan Cologne. Both self-identify as Type 7s on the Enneagram. So welcome, Anna and Jonathan. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, glad to have you with us. So before I ask both of you some questions around the Enneagram and Type 7s, let me first give our listeners a quick overview of the system of the Enneagram and of Type 7s. The Enneagram is an ancient system that identifies nine personality types as a gateway to self-awareness and understanding others. It is a tool to understand and explain human behavior, looking at the motivations underlying those behaviors. So really it's looking at the why of what we do. What I love about the Enneagram is that it can help bring our unconscious habits, patterns, and motivations up into our consciousness, into our awareness, where we can become healthier. Not only does it help us have this self-awareness as an individual, but ultimately it helps us begin to have this awareness towards others and their motivations, which allows us to be more compassionate towards them. So like I said earlier, today our focus is type 7s. Let me give you an overview of what that looks like. These are called the enthusiasts. These are the busy, fun-loving types. They are spontaneous, versatile, acquisitive, and at their lower levels can be a little scattered. They're energetic, buoyant people who bring fun and endless possibilities to family and friends. However, They can get self-centered and be so inclined to escape boredom and pain through distraction that others might find them unreliable. So just to give you an idea of what a seven might look like, some well-known sevens today are the Dalai Lama, Mozart, Amelia Earhart, Jim Carrey, Bette Midler, Elton John, Katy Perry, Benjamin Franklin, and Britney Spears. So Anna and Jonathan, you are in some good company today with sevens. So now that I've sort of set the table and given us the big picture of the Enneagram and type sevens, I'd love if both of you could just take a little bit of time and share with me what it's been like um, first discovering that you were a type seven and then noticing how that sort of just shown up in your life. All right. So for me, when I discovered I was a seven, the whole world just seemed to make sense to me. And one of the things that I've been working on as a seven is um, trying to say no to more things uh, because I was feeling really stretched, um, having committed and said yes to so many different things in my life. Um, But I recognized through the Enneagram and as a seven that um, it's it's okay to say no without and in this in the saying no I can do that and and not feel deprived not feel like I'm missing out on some fun experience that I want to have 
Um, I also realized uh, through the seven that um, sevens can struggle with impulse control. We get so excited about so many different things that um, we can just kind of bounce around a lot. And that's something that I'm trying to work on, um, trying to finish more projects than I start um, and try not to interrupt people so much in, in meetings when I get really excited about whatever the topic is or the big idea that we're talking about or the solution that is available. Uh, in my mind, I'm just connecting all those dots really quickly. And um, that's very motivating to me. Um, but I have to kind of just pause and not not interrupt. Yeah, yeah. And then living life as a seven, I think uh, some of the things that uh, are helpful to me to be working on are balance, balance in my life, um, doing more of what I know is healthy behavior for a seven. Um, so realizing um, some of the things that are healthy for me um, are creating habits in my life or routines. <laughs> I really didn't like habits at all. I didn't see the point of having a routine. I would drive a different way to the office every day if I, if I could. Wow. Uh, so, <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I didn't even, like, have a morning ritual uh, it was just sort of scattered around whatever I felt like doing, you know, to, to get ready in the morning. Um, and I've recognized through through understanding the seven that um, there's a reason that we have routines. Uh, it can actually open up so much more space for creativity in our minds. Mm. Uh, and so having some of those routines and habits and rituals, for me, now that I'm sort of leaning into that a little bit more, I'm realizing uh, the value of that yeah that's great that um really speaks a lot to which we'll get to in a moment the fear of a seven your actual dominant emotion and kind of at all costs how you are wanting to avoid that fear by not getting tied into a specific way to drive to work or a specific thing that you have to do that you will not be tied into that um so that's great awareness that you have around that but we'll hold off on the fear for a moment, and let's hear from Jonathan about um, what it's like being a seven for him. So very similarly, I when I found that I was a seven, it made a lot of sense. Um, and I think even greater than that was when you're a, a seven, sevens are in the holy plan, and so we like to see the big picture. And so not only was being a seven excited, exciting, um, discovering the Enneagram was even more exciting because then we had then I have a way to come up with a holy plan for the whole world and I can understand everything <laughs> and so then my mind can really kind of uh, explore all of these aspects of of everything so it was just super exciting which no no surprise that a seven was excited about something they could think about and something that really described the whole world. Um, so I think sevens just get excited when they find out they're sevens. And I was <laughs> very much like that. Um, I quickly became unexcited because I realized how shallow and how, <laughs> 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 how, 
how I had such an inability to go deep and did not want to deal with anything painful or anything that uh, wasn't a mountaintop experience and really wanted to stay away from the valleys. And those were the parts of my life that were really calling out to be looked at. And so that was a um, very difficult experience and one that I quickly covered up with reframing. And so the ability to reframe, I just saw how that ability really didn't serve me in my life. And I was so good at it. And there is something magical about being able to reframe a situation. And it is really needed at some points. But as you said, trying to attain balance, um, that was a that was a difficult and also a very deep practice to sort of get in there and say, that stunk, period. And that was difficult, period, and be able to sit with that and sort of go drop down into that space. Um, that began to open up a much more rich experience for me, um, just in my life in general. Um, this, just thinking about reframing, um, with you not having a routine, and saying, and also me, like, it's like, I'm going to reframe <laughs> breakfast every morning. Yes. That is, it's literally, that's what you're doing is I'm not going to approach this boring thing that I should be doing. I'm not going to approach this routine. I'm going to reframe this routine every single day and it's going to be exciting, new and fresh. And so <laughs> Anna is yes. not in her head right now. <laughs> yeah. She gets it. Yeah. And so, and so with that kind of um ability to rabbit hole we can just reframe our whole lives so that nothing gets done and that we're just so scattered and we're just real literally reinventing how to drink water <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean and like you said when you start to see the benefit and value of routines it does open up a great world of deep creativity and uh much more resonant power All right. So both of you, I just want to pause and take a moment and say thank you so much for so vulnerably and honestly being here. Um, For those of you who have never heard of the Enneagram and are listening, I realize the first time you hear the Enneagram, it can sound so negative and it can really sound like almost hopeless even. But the point of the Enneagram, the beautiful thing of the Enneagram is that what we say in Enneagram world is that the best part of us is the worst part of us. And the worst part of us is also the best part of us. And so until we bring those pieces of our unconscious, I like to call them our shadow sides, until we bring those shadow sides, the parts of us that we maybe don't really like or brush under the rug, until we bring those up into the light, we're actually missing out on the best that we have to offer the world. Um, And just listening to both of you, And my work with the Enneagram, I think sevens can sometimes be one of the hardest numbers to to go to that shadow place because it is so uncomfortable and can be so scary. Um, And both of you are just going there um, and sharing that with us today. So thank you so much. Um, I appreciate it, and I think our listeners will too. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Oh, say you're welcome. (laughs) 
Uh, All right, well, let me switch gears a little bit to you both briefly mentioned this about your fear. And I want to give our listeners a little bit of framework around that. So each number has a dominant emotion, um, actually each center, which is a way of taking three numbers and grouping in them into three different centers. So the seven is actually part of the thinking head center. This is with the fives, the sixes, and the sevens. And so you process and perceive information in your head through your thoughts. And your dominant emotion is actually fear. And so what happens for sevens is at all costs, they are trying to not feel their fear because it's so painful. um, It's so uncomfortable. And they just want to live in that positive affect. They do not want to go down into the fear, sadness, scariness, those other places. And so what happens is sevens are excellent masters at what we call reframing where you can just take a bad experience a negative thing in your past or your childhood and say you know it really wasn't that bad it was actually fine and and look we're moving forward and life is good um sevens are the positive numbers which at times that can be really good and at times that can also be expressed in really unhealthy ways Um, Also, what happens for sevens as a way to not feel their fear is that they just want more, more of everything, more ideas, more dreams, more experiences, more people, more enthusiasm, again, as a way to avoid their dominant emotion of fear. And all the numbers I've actually worked with with the Enneagram, I do often find that sevens have the hardest time at first seeing that they even have fear in their life. They're most often say, well, that one doesn't resonate with me until they sit with it for a little bit. So all that to say, I would love to hear both of you just speak a little bit to how fear has maybe um, been uncovered for you as you've gone on this type seven Enneagram journey. Okay, so I'll I'll take that. So um as I was thinking about fear, and this is, like you said, I at first was like, fear? I'm not afraid. What am I afraid of? Um, but then I realized um, it has it has levels, right? Mm. So I think at, at, at the first kind of surface level, it's just simply fear of missing out. And yeah. as a kid, you know, I definitely, you know, always wanted to be a part of everything that was fun and... I'm sort of afraid of, you know, being the last one picked or um, not mm-hmm. getting invited to something or just, um, you know, saying saying yes to every opportunity that came along because I was afraid of missing out, um, which, ha- which then, you know, leads to that feeling of scatteredness or being pulled in lots of different directions. Um, mm-hmm. As an adult, you know, if you're constantly saying yes to every single project that comes along. It's like, how, how do you possibly complete or do something well? So, um, so that's kind of at the, at the surface level. I think underneath that is definitely a sense of self doubt or, um, fear of failure. So, you know, with all those big ideas and, you know, with that enthusiasm is a lot of passion for different topics and fields. I think I've been a little bit of a, um, in my in my professional life, um, sort of this, um, I've had lots of different um, topics that I've become sort of an expert on for a, like a relatively short period of time. Mm-hmm. But in but then there's for me there's this like well obvious thread that connects all these things together, 
but I often, you know, have to kind of, um, in, in meeting somebody for the first time, like explain to them like how it all connects. Cause in my mind, it just all makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, but there's that, that self doubt, like, are my ideas really good enough? Or, you know, is this uh, creative new solution, um, actually going to work or is it going to you know crash and burn? Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes, you know, projects, I want things to happen more quickly, but they might actually take a lot longer to complete because I have to go, I have to force myself to like go through the full process. I just want to jump to the end, Interesting, you know, yeah. and I have to kind of make myself or, you know, my team will encourage me to go through that market test, you know, the full the full process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's just the fear of letting down friends and family or my team or, you know, anybody who's, I feel like, you know, is counting on me. Um, if something doesn't work out, I mean, that's, that's a real fear that, you know, that with that huge creativity and that big idea, there's, you know, what if it doesn't work? Yeah. So that's, that's definitely there for me. Yeah. And that's actually, I'm glad you bring that up because of all the Enneagram numbers, um, sevens, when they go to do their work, you know, kind of bring up these unconscious parts of themselves, they will often have the most pushback from people in their life, whether it's coworkers or family or friends, because think about it, you know, sevens, you're the busy, the fun loving type. You always bring the party with you. And if you sort of stop doing that all the time and say, actually, I'm feeling a little sad today, or I'm working through some of my fear. Others in your life don't tend to like that. Um, And so sevens have to be mindful that not everyone around them is going to be on board with maybe some of the work that they're needing to do. And then also people who work with sevens and love sevens, I always try to encourage them, allow the seven to change, Um, allow them to kind of get outside of their habitual ways of being and patterns and give them that space to explore some other ways of being that are maybe healthier for them in the long run. Yeah. Jonathan, how about you with your fear? How does that show up or not show up? Well, I can, I can relate to a lot of what you said. And, you know, when you are, you know, for me, such a fear is when you have this idea, you do not want to hear the devil's advocate. You do not want to hear what's wrong with the plan. And so, because we're reframers, we can be very uh, squirrely and very hard to pin down hmm. um, and get the truth out of, is this actually going to work? And that's a really, that's a question that we, I don't want to answer. I want to say, of course it's going to work, but in reality, I know it's not going to work, but that's not the, that's not the place that, that's not the place that, you know, at one point I was accustomed to being in. And so that sort of scatterness. Um, that's where that real scattered um, negative affect shows up. Um, and so for me, that showed up in a very big way. And so when I really started to delve into that, um, my term for it now is I'm going to jump in the cold water. <laughs> Uncomfortable. <laughs> Uncomfortable. I got to jump in the cold water because I like cold water. So I'm reframing cold water because I like it. <laughs> but it's, it's my not way. That bad. It's not that cold. <laughs> it's my way of ju- it's my way of saying go go into the really hard part. Okay, this is going to be hard, and it I can identify so much. It's it is so difficult when you when you see when you see how you, 
I, I think my fear is a fear of not being understood um, and not being, um, you know, almost not not being um, appreciated for that ability to see the complexity. Um, and I think so much of that comes out of the headspace because we can think so much, um, you know, in my work in, you know, making something out of wood or making a sculpture or making a piece of furniture, um, you know, even down to the tools I use, I, I can give you a, a three hour topic, a discussion about why a certain tool is useful and where it came from. And if you, if you don't acknowledge that or see why that's important, then I, I feel really hurt in a way. Um, and I feel hurt because I know the answer to it and people just don't care. (laughs) (laughs) And that is really hard to, to, uh, kind of come to grips with that. You know what? Some people just don't care and that's okay. But that's been a real difficult place to, um, to get into, to, you know, to let go of the, to, to let go of my ego, to say, well, maybe this isn't, maybe it doesn't matter if you can reframe breakfast. Maybe you just need to get on to what's going to happen after breakfast. So that's actually a great segue into one of my last questions for both of you is that um, I'm just curious of any behaviors or mindsets that you've sort of found to be helpful or healthy as you've learned more about being a seven and what that looks like. And then also, if you want to speak to a little bit of any behaviors or mindsets that you find yourself doing that you're like, wow, this is not healthy for me. So um, one of the things that's been the most helpful to me, in addition to establishing those habits and routines (laughs) that I talked about earlier, um, is really just a a great gratitude for meditation and mindfulness. Mm -hmm. I think as a seven, um, especially, it's it's just um, very healthy for me to have that sense of calm or be at peace, be present. something I've struggled with for for a long time. I'm always thinking ahead, thinking in the future, thinking what's going to happen next. Uh, But forcing myself to pause and stop uh, is just incredibly valuable. Um, So I've appreciated uh, that uh, building that practice of meditation a little bit more into my life. It calms my mind, which is constantly going like 60 Mm -hmm. miles an hour or more. So to, um, to have that that practice um, has been really, really helpful. It also, I think that having habits, like maybe meditation as a habit or as a ritual or as a routine, um, having that that practice helps create a more consistency, like more, you know, regular, like just having that, um, that focus and that consistency has been really helpful. Um, And then instead of always striving to have like more and bigger and, you know, collecting experiences and all of that, just to kind of stop and appreciate the simple joys in life um, and to stay present so that I can appreciate those simple joys um, is really, really helpful. So for me, those are, those are some of the healthier behaviors that I'm starting to um, adopt and appreciate um, and see that they're essential in my being a seven that if I um 
if I get out of practice of any of my routines, that my like making dinner, working out, meditating, then I they're indicators for me that I'm maybe not in a healthy in the healthiest place that I could be in. Yeah, those are some great practical tools for sevens. Um, and we didn't have time for this today, and we don't have time for this, but real quickly, I will touch on, because you spoke so beautifully to it, sevens are actually future-oriented. You are in the stance that your orientation to time is the future. You are constantly, naturally, always thinking about the future. And so some of the work that sevens have to do is how do I... Um, know that about myself. That's not a bad thing. But how do then do I bring myself back into the present and actually take care of the things that are needed to be taken care of here and now? And um, I think some of your practices really spoke to that. So thank you, Anna. So finding gratitude has been very important for me. Um, and th- thinking about the the holy plan aspect of being a seven because we're so future-oriented, we can just be in that perpetual state of moving forward that we don't realize we're part of the plan and that we're part of a system. And we feel very isolated and alone. And we're moving so fast that um, we can't settle down and kind of sit into being a piece of a puzzle. And for me, the more I remind myself that I'm part of a puzzle and part of a system, and I'm an integrated part and I can explore my fear and I can have fear and I can have all of the, the full range of emotions and that that's not going to diminish who I am. That's only going to sort of make me more integrated and make, make the plan aspect even more powerful. That gives me a sense of hope to, to go into those darker places or to go to do more of that exploratory work to see that I'm an integrated part and you know gratitude is such a huge place of that because if we don't stop and be grateful for what's around us I mean we can just consume that just have that voracious uh uncontrollable appetite for movement yeah Mm. I'm so glad both of you actually mentioned gratitude because in the Enneagram each number has a virtue And this is just the gift that you bring to the world, the thing that you naturally in your healthy states bring. And for a seven, that is actually gratitude. Yeah. Um, It's also called sober joy is another way to put it. And I just see that in both of you, getting to know both of you, um, just your essences really can have this place of gratitude and sober joy. Um, So I'm so glad you touched on that. Um. All right. Well, as our time is winding down, I'm going to ask you one final question, and this doesn't have to be terribly long, but I'm very curious. Um, what is your most favorite thing about being a seven, the enthusiast? I would say it's really exuberance and oh. <laughs> curiosity about the world. Um, one of the things that I think I love about being a seven is that I can celebrate, like you said, about um, being a part of something so much bigger than myself and and really appreciating that, that, you know, it's um, ability to work on something deeply meaningful and to see that my work is contributing in some in some way that's much bigger than than my piece of it. Yeah. 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 It's beautiful. 
I, I just love thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so if you, you know, if you throw out 50 shapes and say, find the common thread, I don't know if I could be happier. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so there's just a play. I just feel very playful when things don't match up and everything's askew. And whether it's talking about pretty much anything, I, I've just consumed so much, I've consumed so much information about things and have the ability to do it that I could get really, I could get excited talking about, you know, plastic mold injection or law or physics or pretty much anything. I can get excited about it and would just, and just love to think about it. And so I think that's the part that I really like about being a seven is that no matter who you meet, you can ask them, what do you do? And it can be fascinating. You mm. really, it's really hard to bore us, especially if it's something new, <laughs> unless you start talking over and over. Like, I mean, eventually we'll, we will get bored, but yeah. don't not tell at, me the same story twice. <laughs> right. But not in that first part. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, Anna and Jonathan, thank you so much for being here today. It truly was a delight and it helps me to hear both of you talk about sevens to get to understand sevens a little bit more and see inside of you and what your motivations are. So thank you for sharing that with me and with the listeners. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I know the Enneagram system can be a lot, so we barely just scratched the surface today. So if you are out there looking for more information or you're curious about what is this Enneagram and what are the other types, um, some pieces of work I would recommend that you look into are Suzanne Stabile and the Enneagram Journey podcast, anything by Beatrice Chestnut, Riso and Hudson from the Enneagram Institute, Hunter Mobley, um, and finally, Helen Palmer and the Narrative Tradition. So you can find any of that in book form or online. Thank you, listeners, for downloading The Behaviorist, and we hope that you will subscribe. Please reach out to us through our website, workwisdomllc.com, where you can enjoy Work Wisdom Press and Productions, ask questions and suggestions of topics that you'd like us to explore in future episodes. As is our custom, we'll leave you with a small bit of wisdom. Today's comes from Thich Nhat Hanh. Each thought, each action in the sunlight of awareness becomes sacred. Mm-hmm.